0: Very Honored Frater B.T.'s Esoterra Nerd Podcast, Episode 85, in which I interview Hannah Haddix. But first, transformation, transformation. transformation. For those of you who are new to the Esoterra Nerd Podcast, this is the segment in which I recite my father's book, Transformations, which he wrote in 1976. He divided it into chapters and verses, so I read it verse by verse. This is Transformations, chapter 2, verse 20. The body-stuck ones, the ape-necks and neckers, they are amusing. Should we tell them that it is found in nudism, keeping it in their pants, or both? Maybe they still think it's in drugs. Drugs alter brainwaves, that's true. The problem is, when the body-stuck ones think they're getting spiritual, just how are we going to tell them what it's like to watch flat agreement consciousness in group minds transform? They'll find out that they've already found out, one way or the other. There are ghosts in the pyramid rocks, and there's magic in these words. Verse 21 The thing is, though, that getting goosed on acid and walking into buses either hurts or instantaneously puts the stuck ones someplace else where they are surrounded by their memories, or both. Dope gets them into glimpses. You and I found out that it's like the parable of the blind man and the elephants. The added twist is that the doper among them grabbed the elephant by the nuts, he was a male elephant anyway, and the elephant, forthwith and appropriately, in that he was thick into his must, yelled a great yell and stomped the doper. You and I have seen that blind one still stuck out there on the astral. He's running around, now sort of getting that he can kind of see, trying to tell the others that he is okay. Well, sort of When you don't wake up, you don't wake up either here or there, till you do. You and I, we know that, don't we? Verse 22. Those who are committed to higher purpose, what shall we whisper to them? Perhaps the question is, what shall we not whisper to them? They may already know of the crimson sick rose. Shall we tell them who is the rose? Shall we tell them who is the worm eating it away? No. Why should we bother? They already know. And they will find out no sooner or later than now when they learn how to stop casting aspersions upon others not in their pet movement, or not living up to their precious expectations within that movement, and when they get that, they get how to uncreate the aspersions instead. What do we say to those who gloat in expectation of Armageddon? What do we say to tuna fish who want to be canned? Blessed is the tuna fish whom the stuck human eats, for the tuna fish will then become stuck and human and considerate and only? They'll play around for a while, till the realization that the transformation is complete pounces upon them, or yells and stomps them, or whispers at them and they're still wherever they are, wherever else the other stuck ones believe that is. Now they'll know that they know and knew all along. They have an option, the option will haunt them and taunt them. They cannot help but listen to themselves. Aye, there's the rub. And now for the footnotes. So I looked up Ape necks. I guess it's a reference to a poem, and it has to do with virginity. I don't know. I thought it might be offensive. Turns out it's not. It's interesting that he was such an occultist and a Buddhist and had all these ideas, and yet he was so square. He was actually already a college professor by the time kids started smoking weed in college. He was only 28 in 1968, but he used to walk into the classroom. Well, I'll let him tell it in his own words. In 67, 68, 69, I'd come into classes at Pasadena City College, and it smelled like a cannabis kitchen in there, and I'd say, I'd come in and sing, Don't Bogart that joint, my friend. Because I've got some narks in the hall, and everybody had run out of the. that's where I got accused of being a narc. I just scared all the dopers out, because they were following things up. So, there's that. I took a slightly different path myself. It's interesting what he says about the crimson rose. I've had that in mind for a long time. The tuna fish who wants to be canned, for those of you who don't understand, if you have one of those Bibles, just skip to the very, very, very end. He's referencing the gold box that all the saved are supposed to end up in. Our guest tonight will be telling us about the Temple of Psychic Youth, a bit about Genesis P. the Vipassana Meditation, Ayahuasca, the Coyotal Church, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, the agori, the Process Church, Dreams, Sleep Paralysis, and some other things. And so, without further ado... Let's get to that interview, shall we?
1: Greetings,
2: sir. Welcome to the Esoterra Nerd
0: Podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: (laughs) So we're here at a coffee bean and tea leaf in, where are we? Beverly Hills, Hills. I believe.
1: Yes. And, uh...
0: (laughs) It's nice to meet you. I'm meeting you for the first time today in person. Yes, indeed. We've been friends for a few years online. But... In the
1: Matrix, yes, yes. Yeah. yes.
0: Excellent. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in, down the path to weirdness?
1: Well, okay. I would say it all really began when I was living in New York City mm-hmm. at 18 years old. just moved there from Arizona. Um... I was fortunate enough to move into the Gates Institute, which was the Brooklyn Brownstone where Genesis and Lady J, Mm -hmm. they owned this house and they occupied it, along with um, some other temple of psychic youth, humans, members of Psychic TV. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started dating the keyboardist uh, to Psychic TV. His name is Marcus Person. Marcus Fabulous, Circus Aurelius, Maximus Person. Mm And so I met Genesis not even knowing who Genesis was or the legacy or all the things that she's accomplished. So I basically just got indoctrinated into the Temple of Psychic Youth. Um, For the years that I was living there, um, Jen put me through what she called the Psychic TV School of Magic. Mm -hmm and she taught me all the things. She introduced me to ritual magic, to sigils, to the cut-up method, to all things that... uh, how to induce trance, all the things that a magician needs in their toolbox to manifest. So from there, I mean, I I continue to work with Genesis and I continue to... I keep my psychic youth ties tight. but from there I've explored other things, and these days, it's, the thing that resonates with me most um, as a magician is the ties between art and magic, and how creation is, creation is the direct tie to manifestation, to understanding the self, to understanding the will, and to enacting it. Um, all humans who walk the path of self-realization and self-manifestation must create. We must put something new into the world. We have to express ourselves, to know ourselves, and so for me, that is, that's magic, is creation. Very cool. Yes. (laughs) Yes, indeed.
0: (laughs) Well, you definitely put a lot out there yourself. I'm a a fan of your posts. Thank you, thank you. Have you done your vipassana yet?
1: I did. How was that? It was the most. It was one of the most transformative experiences I've had. It it was really difficult sitting and meditating for 11 hours a day. Doesn't seem like something that would cause (laughs) such a mental breakdown, but there were times in that vipassana that I just like. I mean, all these things come up. When you sit with yourself and you're still, and you allow... First of all, you you learn really fast that you have, you have little control over your mind. Yeah. And that it is a raging beast that will just go to every end of the world and trying to hone it in and to put a leash on it and right. control it, it is so, <laughs> so difficult. It... It was more... it made many changes in me that did not all last. Um, right, I, I was totally sober, stopped drinking, stopped smoking weed, I was a vegetarian, stopped eating meat, like did all this until I, I lasted a couple months and then on Halloween it was Satan's birthday, and of course, I had to drink some whiskey. And then from there, I just like kept on drinking the whiskey. <laughs> but you know, on Satan's birthday, you have to you have to drink whiskey. Um, nice. So, but for those months, I was and I was still maintaining. I was doing two hours of meditating a day, and like really ma- maintaining this really wholesome like lifestyle. And which was unexpected because I didn't think that there would be any lasting changes. You know, I, I right. went there for the experience and. I had signed up for it when I was going through a really intense breakup and wanting to die, <laughs> and I was like, I need something to like help my soul. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I with vipassana, you usually have to wait a couple months to get in because of the waiting list. So by the time I went, like I had kind of gotten over my heartbreak and I wasn't trying to like right <laughs> exit myself off the That's planet probably good timing. It was good timing because at that point it was just like okay. Like I'm not fully obsessed with this breakup anymore, and I w- still want to go for the experience. So I was just open to it. Was just like I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed it. Yeah. But I just like I wanted to go and have the challenge. And it is a lot of people. Ten uh, percent of the people dropped out by the end. You know, you see the, the mats, the you know the cushions in the meditation hall. Just people leave and leave. Um, and it was amazing. I would, I plan to do it again. I think all the humans should do it yeah. because you learn a lot about yourself. Um, you are able to control, like you find these techniques of harnessing your mind and where you can direct it, and how the senses and how we sense things. It's our it's it's our entire experience. Like we are just like this flesh pod of these senses that. Uh, a sensory being is taking in all this different information and all of it affects us and we're not always aware of the things around us that are affecting us that we are consciously absorbing like a sponge and it just it it stays like we record all of it it's in our subconscious forever and things that we see do experience touch taste feel hear it's all it's all within us and there are ways to you sit with yourself and you allow the things to crop up, then you can deal with them and release them. Mm-hmm. And that, it's it's a beautiful practice, the possum is great. Very cool. Yes.
0: So when, you mentioned pre and post ayahuasca before, Yes. when did that happen?
1: So I traveled to Peru, <laughs> uh, was it February, late February of this, yes, it was so mid-February, recently. very recently, a couple months ago. Uh, with my mother, mm-hmm. we went together, and that was quite the trip. Yes, Very cool. indeed. Yes.
0: Did she also do ayahuasca? She did. How cool.
1: Yeah, it was her idea. She really wanted to go and take ayahuasca because she found it people talking about it on the internet, and she wanted to, you know, she wanted to like uh, take it to get That's the over the
0: best reason to take it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I heard about it on the
1: internet, and I heard it, and it's ten years of therapy in one evening.
0: YouTube It's pretty reliable, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> She did send me some YouTube links about it. <laughs> was like, thanks mom, I know what ayahuasca is, but that's wonderful. Um, and yeah, she called me up and she said, you know, I want to go... She originally had it in her mind that she wanted to go to Brazil. She said, let's go to Brazil. Um, I want to take ayahuasca for some healing, uh, to get over some childhood trauma. And I was wondering if that's something that you'd be interested or willing to do. And I was like, oh, you don't have to ask me twice, mom. I will take crazy, <laughs> genital drugs with you. In a, awesome. in a foreign country, yes, uh, it was great. Uh, she she didn't like it very much, but uh, I mean the experience isn't a re- it's not a recreational drug. Right. You know you you have to deal with a lot. She she didn't like the hallucinations. She said it was too scary. Right. Um, and it, yeah, it is. It is scary sometimes. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then if you go down that road, then it's even scarier. It's like, true. And it's tricky to be like, no, it's not. It's fine. Okay, now it is fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. The mind it paid, it plays some tricks. Yeah. I did I did see some pretty scary things, um, but overall, I thought that it was a very positive, beautiful experience, and it opened up a lot of doors. It's was deeply healing it cured me of my indoctrinated misogyny Mm. uh, which was a huge one for me yeah um, how so well i in my life i've always had a hard time with relations with women there's been a lot of competition for like sexual attention or men and um relationships like just like a lot of backstabbing and cattiness and a lot of just competition, competition yeah i've always just surrounded myself with men um, had a hard, I've had a hard time with my relations with women, except for like a few solid humans. Um, and then when I took ayahuasca, I had a vision of Kali Ma, and I saw her in everything. She was God, and she was in everything. And I realized, and I had all these visions of my the sisters in my life, the women in my life, and I just saw that. Um, If you say or think or do anything nasty or disrespectful to or about a woman, you are saying and doing all those things to mom. Because she's in all of us and that's just blasphemy. Yeah. And that women are like are all beautiful and all deserve the love and there's plenty of love. Like there's an abundance of love and there's no reason to feel any sort of competition for right. like if somebody else is getting it that you're not. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an just artificial
0: like, institution that's just been implemented for so long absolutely. that people think that it's they Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's like football teams or something. Totally. Like it's just like normal because it's normal. Like, yeah.
1: I just saw the brilliance and beauty in women and it it's just like it was so healing it was like like duh like it's 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 insane it's insane to try to like trip up a woman on her path because like we have to stand together and and there's to 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 get weird about a woman because of some sort of, like, sexual attention you think that you need to be getting, it's just, it's just insanity, and it's culturally indoctrinated, and that was, like, that was a huge takeaway for me, um, as well as, uh, our role on this planet as humans, and how we really need to be taking care of our planet more. Um, I saw what I believe to be what eternal damnation is, and eternal damnation um, is when. Okay, so re- okay, let me let me preface this by saying that reincarnation is absolutely real, and we have to go through many lifetimes in order to basically like take ourselves out of the samsara, to take ourselves out of the flesh world, um, and. Eternal damnation is what happens when we kill our planet, where we are, it is, she is no longer able to produce lives. There's no more bodies to incarnate into, so the souls who haven't figured it out by the time our pl- we destroy our own planet are going to be wandering around aimlessly on this dead barren planet that cannot produce life and they're stuck there for millions and billions of years until something happens where either like another another dimension another uh, another world but basically like I just saw these souls wandering lost hungry for, for a body hungry for the experience hungry yeah. to transcend but they're stuck because they killed the one thing that is that's al- it, allowing them to be. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yes.
0: That reminds me of the vision of Avalokiteshvara, looking at the sentient beings and weeping because of the suffering of samsara and all of that. But like a first-hand experience of that.
1: Yeah. A lot, there's a lot of suffering. Yeah. <laughs> it's, very, yeah. it's a human experience.
0: <laughs> so how about, um, is it pronounced lamb or uh, the, the gray alien that Crowley saw? Yes, you L-A-M. do a lot with uh, with. The <laughs> is it is it lamb or is it just I gray? I, I mean, in your pictures.
1: Um, it, oh wait, in in my photos, that's yeah, when you Oh, that's my alien. Oh, okay. Yeah, lamb is Alistair Crowley. Oh, okay. Name, <laughs> but my my uh, my life size boyfriend alien <laughs> who I sleep next to every night I'm at home is the alien. Okay. He's okay. my alien. Oh,
0: alien with a B on it. Yeah, like Bay, like Bay,
1: bay aliens. Oh, it's like it's it's Yes, yes, that makes sense. I love aliens. I've been obsessed with uh, space uh, travel and extraterrestrials about, for all time. But also, but things have changed post ayahuasca about the aliens because I actually had an alien vision. I saw the aliens, and dudes were not <clears> friendly, and they were trying to take over, and they were trying to basically enslave us, and if they if they accomplish that, it'll be the death of spontaneity, the death of creativity, the death of love, the death of compassion. They have no emotions, and I had to fight them. <laughs> I fought them when I was on an Ayahuasca, and the only weapon that I had against them was, and I know this sounds new-agey as hell, but it was love. I had to just send out love. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and also I saw that if we, because I, I used to be all about space travel mm-hmm. and colonizing other planets and just, like, getting the fuck off planet Earth, um, but I saw that if we develop the technology required to colonize other planets... We are actually like enslaving ourselves, and we will mutate beyond. We'll not. We'll no longer be human beings, Homo sapiens. Like right. shits. it would change. It yeah. would change us. And um, I like I, I felt so connected to the earth for the first time, and the planet I was born on, and I, I like had this real connection with Earth and this love to just help her and concentrate on this beautiful. Planet that we already have, and the wonder less of right. going to elsewhere—it was—it was kind of cured, which is weird because I never thought that was like a bad quality or a bad mindset to to want to get off planet Earth. But th- things have shifted. Yeah,
0: know? yeah. It, it makes me think of um, when people like want to get out of their situation, so they want to get to some other situation, but then realizing, oh, I can. I actually feel at home in my own situation, and I can transform it so that it's so exactly. that I like it. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Uh, it's I think it's it's a very it's probably written in my DNA to to try to run from problems by occupying different physical space. Just because my mother is a nomad, and right. like my parents are oh, travelers. We're all over and, here. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like I my whole life was like watching my mom run from place to place to place. Yeah but it's like actually mom like you just need to like figure out how to be s- secure in your own skin and then work from there. Right. You can't change you know a, a change of home, a change of a zip code is not going to yeah. help you feel okay about all of the things. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: <Puppy>. <laughs> 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 so let's see what else besides oh, the temple is the temple of psychic youth? Yes. After temple. that. So like early on in your.
1: So early on, it was the Temple of Psychic Youth. Um,
0: But then later...
1: Yes. um, Here, so, I have been...
0: I know there's spaces. There
1: are spaces. Um, Most recently, besides the work I do on my own, I've been collaborating with the Coyote Church. Mm -hmm. I was initiated as a magist in the Coyote Church about... Three years ago? Maybe four years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a that's a d- delightful cult. It's the first church of art. Um, in the Kital Church we believe that everybody not everybody is an artist, born an artist, but everybody's born with the ability to create mm. and we must we must create our way forward. And um, we believe in true art um, versus stillborn art—things that people make that are not from any genuine place that don't elicit any sort of reaction or emotion—or yeah. you know, just stillborn, it's just right. dead. It's yeah. not, there's nothing magical. Or there's nothing uh, of, of substance in it. Um, so true art, and I—so I've, I've been doing. Death curses on corporations mm-hmm. with the Coyote Church. We last time I was in LA, we did a death curse on Nestle. Mm-hmm. Before that, we did a death curse on Monsanto in Minneapolis. Um, those are always a lot of fun, <laughs> very bloody, bloody things, <laughs> um, and it gets good response and people. It it raises awareness about these corrupt corporations that are insidiously taking over and fucking with our food and our resources and our planet. Yeah. Um, And they need to be called out and probably sentenced to death from an art cult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, yes, and that's why I'm here in L.A. presently, is uh, we initiated Cherie Rose last night into the Keitel Church as a living saint. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my coyote duties brought me here.
0: Now you were telling me a bit about her, but just because some of my audience might not be familiar. So
1: Cherie Rose is the partner, or was the partner, of Bob Flanagan, the super masochist. Um, He's dead now. Um, Bob Flanagan and Cherie Rose really paved the way for the BDSM culture. Um, They did a lot to open the awareness and Kind of bring it more to the to the surface of these BDSM relationships, and he I can't recall what um, what illness he specifically had, but basically he lived far longer than he was given to live um, by the standards of, of people with that illness because through the healing of masochism, of getting cut and Beaten and tortured and all the, all the delightful things.
0: You hear that, Sal? <laughs> Do you know you, you don't know Sal Santoro.
1: I don't know Sal. Okay, he's
0: down here, so. Uh,
1: uh, Sal into into the torture, yeah. the beating. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He, I interviewed him. I forget what episode number, but yeah, we started off talking about the healing, uh, the use of BDSM and a healing context.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
0: he built his first dungeon in my house, what's now the LA Sanctuary. That's oh, delightful. Him hanging his ex wife from the ceiling. And
1: that's splendid. Yeah, and
0: then, then he went on to run Dungeon uh, Club in Hollywood for a
1: while, and he's kind of big in the SM scene. Lovely. Sal. Now I think he's going to be focusing
0: on uh, a cult, but with a little bit of a, an, uh, an erotic, kind of BDSM edge to it. Um, well, I, I, I won't say too much, but he and I are talking about collaborating on Ooh, something. In the that's exciting. Year.
1: Awesome.
0: We look forward <laughs> to that. Yeah. Yes. Cool. So, Genesis P. Orridge. Um, Joe Shantz, are you listening? Um, <laughs> she said she knows him. She can maybe hook up an interview. Indeed. So that would be really cool. Gen-Genis. Maybe on Skype?
1: Yeah, Jen's one of my besties. I can definitely facilitate something. Very cool. So, yes. for
0: people who don't know, since you probably know better than I do, would you be able to give them kind of a rundown of
1: Genesis P. Orange? Yeah. Oh my goodness, where to start? Jen has, um, has her fingers in... Genesis is a cultural engineer. She has changed culture and magic for all of us. Um, she coined the term industrial music, had the first industrial band, Tharben Gissel, um, did a lot for the body modification culture. She was doing piercings and tattoos when they were extremely legal, had friends who did jail time. Um, Started the Temple of Psychic Youth, which is a magical group that utilizes um, sigil magic, um, trance states, uh, drugs, sex, the power of the orgasm uh, for manifestational purposes. Um, Genesis uh, started Pendrogyny, which was a... uh, Gender project with her partner Lady J, who's now passed. They went through a series of surgical procedures to look as closely alike as possible. Uh, they're so in love, they wanted to be the, re- the true reflection of each other. Um, Genesis has uh, written books, uh, she, she does everything. The, the, the Temple of, S- or sorry, Psychic TV was the first band to. Um, to have the video component be just as important as the music hmm. so every Psychic TV show you have the video projections and it was like a whole integrative experience of the visuals and the music and the visuals and the music always kind of go back to the work that was being done in the Temple of Psychic Youth uh, which is now, it used to be TOPI, T-O-P-Y, Temple of Psychic Youth and it has since evolved to T-O-P-Y, the Temple of Pandrogynous Individuals Oh, okay yes. And that's the thing about Genesis is she is always... always about evolution and changing and doing something new. You know, a lot of people find uh, like fame or a recognition for one thing and they just keep on doing Stick that thing it. over and yeah, over again. Yeah. And Genesis is just always doing something different. The Sound of Psychic TV has changed. Like, they've done all, uh, all the genre, genres and all the things. Um, yeah, it's a very evolutionary, forward, mutating thing. Genesis is just a total alien-brained being, like, like to not like Jen is not human. <laughs> I've spent enough time with Jen, taken enough ketamine with Jen to know that <laughs> she is not a human. Um, but yes, she's one of my dear friends, and she she has definitely changed my life. But she's changed she's changed the world. She's. She is. She's Genesis. <laughs> Very cool. Yes.
0: What do you think hasn't been said that people ought to hear?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm such a... As you know, I shamelessly express myself uh-huh. all the time. With images. Yes, with images, with words. Yes, yeah. written, written, written words. words. So I it's, I don't have any, like, deep looming secrets. <laughs> <laughs> It's well, all out there.
0: It seems like there's a. Um, for some reason, the word metamodernism comes to mind. The, there's like an overarching. There's like certain assumptions that are being challenged, like in the way that you express yourself. Without specifically pointing them out, it's just assumed. And everybody who, you know, isn't just like, oh, it's a girl. You know, everybody who's into it is into it because of what's being challenged. Mm-hmm. So, so uh what's the word? Audaciously. <laughs> so, so so overtly. So. Yes, yes. But what is it that's being challenged? I, the, the, you you mentioned the misogyny that you yes. were in agreement with before. Yes. But then you realize it. Right. Maybe that's one thing.
1: Yeah, I I think that all things should be challenged. I'm about breaking taboos. Um, the human experience, not allowing society to sway or control who I am or what I do are the kinds of things that I get myself into. Um, there's also maybe a little bit of um, masochism. Um, the, the, the dangerous situations I put myself in, it's, it's thrill, but I think it's also... I mean, what is the purpose of existence if you're not going to push it to the limits? You know, if you're not going to be willing to have an experience, if you're not going to be willing to put yourself out there and do something that is out of the norm. I mean, that is how we learn our lessons. That's what gives us character. That's what gives us wisdom. Um, And I'm just really about finding my own way, making my own path. Doing things for the sake of experience, even if you know it's a terrible idea going in. <laughs> yep! You know? It's like, sometimes you just have to do it, so then you can be like, okay, I learned that lesson. Yeah. For myself. It's not
0: as bad... When you know that it's going to end in a train wreck. Right. As, as it is when you, like, go into it thinking it's a Cinderella. Right. Like, like Disney, like True. 1950s. You know, like, it's going to end happily ever after. So, yes. If you, like, are completely jaded on that. Definitely. Life is much more fun.
1: But even I have to have my own limits. Like, there are, there are a couple things that... You know, usually I say, like, oh, we have to try everything at least seven times. But there are some <laughs> things that I just won't do because... Right. F- I have, like for example I'm never gonna smoke meth like that's just one thing right. I'm not gonna yeah, do. I'm not either. gonna go there yeah, yeah. and I love drugs and I like trying all yeah, the drugs I've seen enough uh,
2: not, yeah before yeah. and after photos <laughs> like, yeah.
1: I'm not trying to fuck up yeah. my face <laughs> yeah. um, so there are some things but, uh, but at the same time I wouldn't judge someone else for thinking that they need that experience Right. you yeah. know yeah. I think that we would all do a lot better as humans on this planet if we were we're open to other people's experiences and we we're open to not trying to tell people what they should and shouldn't do. Yeah. You know, as long as of course you're not hurting anybody, right. you know, there's you have your 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 morals intact of right and wrong. But even still I think right and wrong is it's it's s they're all societal standards and I think that they need to be challenged right. and they need to be broken. And the things that do work, yes, stay in place. But don't just 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 follow it because that's what all the humans around you are doing. Right. Um, I have a bit of so I, I have a, a, an affinity for the Aghoris, the Agari Babas, who um, a, they're a part they're part of the Hindu culture. And the Aghoris believe that you must embrace all the taboo things in order to get close to God. Mm-hmm. So they cover themselves. They live in the cremation grounds. They cover themselves with it, of the ashes. meet those guys. They're yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they eat human flesh. They drink out of a kapala. They take all their meals out of a kapala, which is a human skull. Mm-hmm. Um, and... They'll, they'll eat feces, they just, they do everything because they believe that everything is divine, everything is beautiful the way it is, and it's God created it as it should be, and in order to get close to her, um, you need to embrace all the things. So, they, I've, I've spent time with the Aghoris, I lived with Genesis in Nepal for two months, in 2009, um, where I met many Aghoris, um, most, most notably the Agori, uh, Agori Baba Paglananda, who is now past, we believe, because he was very old. Um, and I met this man, and I don't know, I feel like it might have been an Agori curse in a way, but basically we were in the cremation grounds and we found him inside this stone structure. And he was in deep, deep trance around this fire pit, um, and we were we were brought into this circle with it was me, Genesis Piorge, Jason Louvre, and Tree Lotion, who is Jen's um, spiritual brother who lives in Nepal. And we were all brought into this circle, and Agori Baba, Agori Baba Paglananda, had his eyes rolled back into his head, you can only see the whites of his eyes, and he was just going, like, just Mm. chanting and and going off on a spiel. Of course I couldn't understand what he was saying, because he was either speaking Bengali or Nepali, I'm not sure. Um, And so, he said, he was referring to Genesis, who he hadn't seen since 1999, when Jen was still a man. and said, oh, that's the English fellow I met from, and from whatever year. And Tree Lotion was, was translating all this verse. And then he pointed to me and said, oh, she's going to reach the highest state of consciousness in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And then, re- referring to Jason, said, we'll definitely see him again. <laughs> um, and then was like continued to go on, on this rant and dug up these potatoes from this fire pit that he gave to Jason and I that we do believe might have been cooked in human fat because that's what Aghoris do. Jason ate them and got really sick, so, (laughs) yeah. He may be a a bit of a a Aghori cannibal. We don't know, we don't know. We don't know for sure. Um, But yeah, so when Aghori Baba Pagalurandes said that I would reach the highest state of consciousness in this lifetime, it it's, was hard for me to wrap my mind around that being a truth or legitimate. Um, but it also, it may have been a curse in a way that, like, I feel like maybe I haven't, pers- I haven't pursued the traditional paths. I haven't, I haven't done things that I may have done before because I already got the call, you know, the, that I would be reaching that state. Um, when I did ayahuasca, though, and I was welcomed into Kali Ma's celestial palace, and I sat amongst the god and goddesses, um, and I was welcomed as one of them. I, in that moment, I felt like maybe that's what he was referring to, because I saw I saw her sweet face and her embrace, and I felt her love, and it was like I felt like I had made it. I hope that there's more, you know. I hope that it, it'll continue to escalate. Yeah, you got plenty left in this lifetime. I ho- yeah, I hope so. I, hope so. I, do, I very much do enjoy this lifetime, despite you know seasonal depression, you know, thing <laughs> the, the periods of time when you think that it's all just a bunch of bullshit,
0: but, Yeah. You know. I think traditional paths aren't for everyone, especially mm-hmm. at this period in mm-hmm. history where you can see all the traditional paths and then read the commentaries about what is wrong with them. You know, right. I mean, so it's like, it almost seems silly not to explore and learn about all of them and then put together your own sense exactly. of reality. Like, why would... You know, unless... Like in that, um, you know, rubbing shit all over yourself. I became Catholic for a while. Mm -hmm. Like I went into a thing, counterintuitively, I became a choir boy in a Russian Orthodox Catholic church and just completely immersed myself in that egregore and decided to see it all through that point of view after having already been Wiccan and, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah,
1: interesting. What was your takeaway?
0: I got to connect with my
1: ancestors on that side,
0: you know, because it was the Orthodox one, so it was like really far back. Like I could... there in Constantinople, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and so I mean, it had value as far as that goes, which I guess is similar to the value that for me, Western esotericism, like traditional tarot and stuff like that. Like, my dad taught me tarot, so I mean, I have like a familial tie to it where a lot of people you know, left their evangelical home and came across the country and then learned tarot as a thing to identify themselves as different from their family. For me, it ties me to my family. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, it was almost a a sense of like trying something that hadn't been really tried in my own family for a long time because they were from different parts of Europe that that, that hadn't been aligned with the Vatican for a while, you know what I mean? Though there was some French, but there was a Huguenot that got kicked out of France. That's my French connection. So it's like, you know. Um, so yeah, it was counterintuitive. Um, it was part of the cult that I was in. Was, you know, all the people up at the top were Catholic. So it was kind of like in order to get there was a certain invisible ceiling that you had to get past. You
1: have to become Catholic. Yeah, yeah. So it's weird.
0: And so having to kind of like explain that to the priest who was really sharp. He happened to be like the right-hand man of Mahoney and uh, Cardinal Mahoney down here in L.A. Um, And, uh, so, and he's like the ecumenical guy, so he brings together the Buddhists and the Hindus and the Jewish people and the different Christian communities. He's the guy that is in charge of dealing with Billy Graham on behalf of oh the Oh my
1: Catholics. goodness. And so,
0: <laughs> so I'm like, sitting down with him and like the other people that I'm bringing into the church with me, and he's like, So, how do you all know each other? And I'm like, Well, and then all four of them simultaneously are like, <laughs> <laughs> and I told him the story, and, yeah. and I was like, I can't speak about them because I have an oath, but uh, that's, that's my story, yeah. and then he just was quiet for a while, then he started explaining the esoteric symbolism wow. on some of the icons that we had given him, interesting. and then he started like quoting the Sepher Yetzirah and quoting the Neophyte initiation yeah. during the homilies after that, wow. and um, so then he would like say like we need to raise some money so if you guys could send some prosperity energy in our way like are you asking the magicians in your, <laughs> in your yes yes he was or, and send then, the gold <laughs> so yeah i mean i moved on from that i mean i still kind of i don't know like i feel an affinity for it but i i don't like go around identifying myself Sure. You know, but I'm a card-carrying Catholic, I guess, yes. you know, like, and I did it through the Eastern Rite, so it's like an Orthodox, you know. Do they
1: actually give you cards? <laughs> no, unfortunately. <laughs> but, yeah. And I sang in the choir for four years. So. Awesome. It's, it's Slavonic. That's, a, that's and, an interesting experience. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is cool. I just think that there's you got to level. There's, a other, of stuff there's other stuff too. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's too. It's the exclusivity that I don't like. Yes. It's the uh, it's if it's this, then it's definitely not. Yeah. Us or with with us or with them, the football team mentality of it. Yeah, we live in a diverse
1: point. world with a lot of diverse energies, yeah. and it's okay. fun to explore them all. And To yeah. be told that you can't. Explore them because there's only one true one. That, like that's that's suspicious. Like, right? Come on. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. But I like the idea of like being in the catacombs in Alexandria, like hiding from the Roman soldiers, like breaking bread and talking about you know like sure. love and stuff. You yeah, know, like, romantic. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it, then a couple hundred years later, when it was the official religion, it's like uh, yeah, everything gets sold out eventually.
1: It's true, and then people. <laughs> manipulate the message for their own. Yeah, and
0: then you, own. then you hear John Lennon on a car commercial. Or,
1: yeah. <laughs> and then the world turns upside down. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so tell me
0: about your tattoos.
1: Oh, my tattoos. So you
0: got a, a, a 12-boobed um, double-headed serpent.
1: That is a matching tattoo with Genesis. Oh, how um, cool. I designed it. She wanted to get a matching tattoo with me. And it was kind of like, it was last minute, you know, she was like, draw something, do something, and, um, so it's like a pandrogynous alien snake with multiple tits, because who doesn't love tits? Like, creatures with (laughs) six pairs of them, or three pairs, rather. But I guess, yeah, it's, it's, it's 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 a complicated thing. Um, and then, so yeah, that was my most recent. And then, of course, I have my psychic cross tattoo, all of this, the alien, or the astronaut and the robot that's mm-hmm. like, uh, I got that when I was 18, mm-hmm. so 12 years ago, it's still, it's whatever. Um, and then here's the process church hmm. symbol inside of a pyramid with the eye of the, the
0: Process church, did you already mention that?
1: Um, I haven't, no, the process church is... Um, nothing that I was ever involved in because they're not around anymore, but um, in my study of different cults and theologies, I was really into the process. Um, they, they had an interesting dynamic. Um, definitely definitely a, a cult to respect as far as their money-making. Uh, they would sell these magazines on the street in their full like ritual garments, these spooky clothes, and sell these full-colored... Um, Really visually intense magazines to get people interested, and there was like a true hierarchy, and money flowed up, and it, they, it was it was a successful thing. Um, they believe they worshipped four deities, like four figureheads. It was um, Jehovah, Christ, Lucifer, and Satan. Mm. Um, it was just really interesting. So I was. Uh, Genesis gave me a, a copy of um, Adam Parfrey of Feral House put out a book on the Process Church, and Jen gave me that, and so I was like deep into the process and uh, just studying, like learning what they did, and at the time, I was in New York with Jen, and we were just getting tattoos, and I designed it. Was just so I noticed you have it all on your
0: left arm. Are you saving your right arm for... Well,
1: on the right arm, I had the oh, universal I hexagram, and... <laughs> Pyramid with an eye. Nice. Um, when I was when I was uh, a kid, but, you know, before I was eighteen, allowed to have tattoos. I always envisioned myself just like with one full sleeve and nothing else. Oh, okay. And this is like this hasn't been completed. Um, but you know. Yeah. I also don't pay for my tattoos. Oh, right. So.
0: They have to be. Yes,
1: yeah, it, indeed. So, nice. you know, you can't just go out and fill a little for free. How <laughs> oh,
0: cool. I just have the one. Oh, nice. Yeah. There's a bunch of people that have the same one. And <laughs> they also have this, this scar. <laughs> the scar? Yeah. That was part of our 5-6 initiative. Oh, was wow. was something that was added by our
1: Interesting. And
0: a lot of whipping.
1: Yes. <laughs> and
0: being locked in a box for thirty six hours. Thirty
1: six hours. I was.
0: Some people only got twenty one hours.
1: Oh my dear lord. <laughs> That's intense. That's an initiation for sure. Wow. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. Did it feel like forever? Yeah. Did, well, did you sleep? I was. Just, I was just they, like. Whoa. They give people caffeine. No.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like to Damn. stay awake, oh or a fedora g- when it was before that was taken oh off the shelf. Oh my
1: goodness! <laughs> wow. Was it uncomfortable?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a wooden box, but there was like a sleeping bag, kind of like.
1: Interesting. In yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, a buddy of mine. His name's Adam Ellis. Uh, we went to mortuary school together. He was in this weird cult, and um, I think they were in Japan at the time. And they had to be buried alive for one of their initiations. Like that's
0: intense. Like with a snorkel or something.
1: Yeah. Uh, ah, uh, yeah. I guess there was a way to breathe. Wow. I don't know how long he was under there, but he was talking. About wow. That's cool. After, yeah, once you once they dig you out, you know, like in like when you're buried alive and you like feel for sure that you're gonna die then when you finally when they finally dig you up and take you out it, it's like a rebirth. Yeah, it's like yeah. oh my god, I actually do wanna live yeah <laughs> because the whole time I was just terrified of death, you know? Yeah the contrast
0: of going from darkness for like two you know for a day and a half mm-hmm. or whatever to the vault, which is very colorful when mm-hmm. you're on the inside, it's just like really imprints it on you. Like, yeah. like you've been in the void for all this time and then you're inside of the vault. Truly
1: yeah, that's why I love sensory deprivation tanks. Yeah, I have you done? done, one done? Yet. Oh, you have no. to! It's so much fun. Oh, how cool! I yeah. suggest the first time you do it to do it for two hours because mm-hmm. they do it in hour blocks because it takes a while to like kind of like get yourself in in the zone, yeah. right? And then yeah, it's it's amazing. It's you can just like fly through space in your mind. Whoa. It's really fun. Nice. <laughs> yes.
0: There's um those guys in. Venezuela that put the ant gloves on? You know those? Oh, kinds? I don't
1: know about this. That's Tommy. probably
0: the most hardcore initiation I've seen where these bullet ants, like one sting from a bullet ant is the, like the most painful thing. Like they they, the, the poison specifically is to make you feel pain. Like not to do anything else, but just focus on pain. Interesting. And so what they do is they capture these ants and then sew them into these gloves so that their stingers are all pointed inside. So there's hundreds of ants and then they put them on like this, they just like... And then you have to like sing this song and dance around for like however long while well, You're being stung by oh this most... And so it's just this this psychedelic level of pain Like oh every goodness. once in a while like a white person or whatever will like say I want to do that and then they just can't, you know, they, they, yeah. it's just too... It, it's, yeah they, And then like four hours later they, there was this one guy, They he was like, "That's too much And then they yes. walked him all the way back down to the boat and he put his hands in the ice and then he was like, "How did I get to the boat?" Like, like after you've like watched him walk the whole way, Whoa, he just
1: because he's so everything. out of his mind. Yeah, and, yeah.
0: and so, but they do that like every four years. Like once you get like the, the men do or whatever, once you get to a certain age, then you do it every four years. Oh my god! And it's the most painful thing you could have happen in the rainforest is to get stung yeah, by one okay. of these things. So it's like once you've been through that, then you're totally invincible. Yeah, like, and everything's fine. The forest is like... perspective
1: is beautiful. Just the thing. Playground. Yeah. Wow. I'm fascinated with like the process of tying these ants into gloves. Right? That's yeah. amazing. I would love to see I know. that.
0: Not very humane, probably.
1: Though. Oh, they're ants. It's okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to dig up uh, the video I saw.
1: Yes, please. I would love to see that. That's very interesting. Yes. It's initiations need to be painful. Initiations initiations need to take you out of your comfort right. level. Uh, last night during our initiation for Shuri Rose, she was tattooed. I cut her with a scalpel. Um, she flogged us. Uh, we pierced our third eye. There was a lot I've of blood. It. Yeah, you see. I, know. I saw the still, picture too. Yeah. Still a little bit tender. <laughs> um, yeah, and afterwards I. I met up with Chris Sanders, who I'm staying with. Um, he took me to Cloak and Dagger, which is a members only goth club. Mm-hmm. And I just kept the blood on my face. I was just like, my face was covered in think blood. It's makeup. People thought it was makeup. They were wow. like, yeah. how did you do that? Right? Is that cornstarch? They thought it was
0: makeup. I was like,
1: nope, sorry guys, this is my actual blood. Watch out. <laughs> nice. But yes, good times.
0: So, any plans? Are you going to write a book? Are you going to go on a trip? Well,
1: um, presently, um, a friend of mine is building a website for me. (laughs) I bought hannahaddix.com last summer and I hadn't really done anything with it. I'll put a
0: link on the episode. Thank you. (laughs) Um,
1: it's not, it's not fully functional yet, but he's building for me a place where I can have my art, um, my photo shoots, Things that are normally not allowed on Facebook, because the nudity. Mm-hmm. I'm finally, like trying to get away from the Facebook model, even though it's wonderful and yeah. I, it's really, it's really helped me connect and get my, my, Fan base. yes, yeah. yes. Um, but it's just, it's. I don't want Facebook to be owning my whole right. life, yeah. as well as continue to censor me and put me in Facebook jail because right. they hate nipples and mm. I don't know. I don't know.
0: <laughs> i don't understand that yeah there's, there's some kind of complex there, it's, yeah. yeah
1: there's it's a weird thing so um doing hannahaddix.com that's that's project we're working on um so i can start hopefully it's moving towards making my money out of creative endeavors i don't want to work in the service industry for all time right. yeah um and I'm also right now collaborating with Sam Zimmerman, who does um, the videos for Psychic TV. He's, um, he's making a new video show for Psychic TV to premiere at Psycho Las Vegas, mm-hmm. which is this um, amazing festival that's happening in August of this year. It's an incredible lineup. I have never been to a festival in my life, but I'm going to Psycho Las Vegas and it's it's gonna be awesome. But basically Sam Zimmerman and I are collaborating. Um, I'm documenting my collage process and sending him all of the the steps. Mm-hmm. He's sending he's uh he's gifting me a scanner so I can scan all the things and then he's gonna make video out okay. of my collage materials. So cool. it'll be a very interesting collaboration there. Nice. Which is really exciting. Um As far as travels, I just got back from Peru. Um, I'm hoping to go to Iceland with my father, but that's that's still kind of just in the mercurial like. Yeah, I want to go to Iceland one
0: day. I know. I do
1: too. My father was born there, and so I have family ties. um, And it's such a magical, wonderful place.
0: They're like. They are, <laughs> and they like
1: worship fairies and shit. It's awesome. It's so cool. That's cool. They're like truly, yeah, truly connected to their to their land. And I think it would be a wonderful ancestral journey to go and and be there. Um, so hopefully that will happen. I've been trying to go to Iceland forever, and it just like keeps on falling through and. I think, like I, I, like to maintain the thought that that's just because, like I haven't picked the right person to go with yet. Like right. I felt I fell through, like with an ex-boyfriend, and yeah, uh, and so maybe like maybe if I go with my dad, it'll yeah, yeah,
0: it's more of a family thing. Yeah, maybe bring still, a boyfriend later. Yeah. and show him around the place you've already been. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's not like oh Iceland, that was our thing. So, yes, yeah. exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's 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 a big dream for sure. Um, I know I'll be visiting New York sometime this year to see Jen. Usually we see each other uh, at least annually. I'll go to New York and visit Jen Jen. Um, And it's been long overdue, so hopefully that is on the horizon. I just always, like, the things that I love in life are... Like making art and traveling the world and hanging out with beautiful, magical people. You know, just like my comu- like my magical community is worldwide, and it's just new experiences, new new places, seeing new things, old temples, old ruins. Yeah, you know, just seeing our our planet. And there's so many different cultures and people's and way of life, and I want to see them all. <laughs> Got to experience all of it. Yeah. It's, um, it's really good for perspective and for understanding of your place in the world. It's really humbling. It really like puts you on a level of how truly blessed we are. Um, I feel very fortunate to be the human that I am in the time that I am, in the place that I am. And traveling the world definitely, definitely, like, makes that a true, like, a, a tangible, you know, yeah. realization. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Yoga's great. Yeah. I recently started uh, practicing. It's, it's awesome.
0: I normally do non-hot, but uh, yes. I teach over at Crunch with the street. What
1: kind do you teach?
0: I, well, they call it power yoga. But I call it Hatha Vinyasa flow. Yes. Yeah. Hatha vinyasa wonderful. Yeah.
1: Isn't Hatha more about like holding poses for longer whereas vinyasa is really like yeah. movement
0: Or Generally, yeah. I mean hatha is a an old battle word meaning sun moon that really the whole of yoga can kind of be put under it. But and then vinyasa is a, is a Sanskrit word meaning to place in a particular manner, but here in the West it's come to mean flowing yoga yeah. that's been influenced by Swedish gymnastics. Okay. So, yeah,
2: oh, really? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so I mean, we have our, our terms here in the West that seem fixed mm-hmm. just because everybody uses them, but like, yeah. they're really kind of like, you know.
1: That's the nature of words. Yeah. <laughs> we all have our different connotations. Yeah,
0: that's fun. I wow. wanted to be a yogi, really. Yeah. And I thought that by changing my career to yoga teacher, that would be a good transition between being a drone in the corporate world and oh, being yeah. a yogi, like in India, sitting on a rock. Yeah. So, <laughs> where are you on that
1: le- on that time scale? No, I
0: might be much closer to sitting on that rock than I uh, anticipated. Good. <laughs> so, Good. So, I mean, you know, as far as as far as worthiness of the title yogi, I don't know. But I uh, I try to follow the yamas and the niyamas as best I can, and and I mean, because they're they're good. I mean, like, like thou shalt be content no matter what. Like, uh, uh, okay, you know. I mean, how cool would it be if that was like <laughs> one of the ten? Yeah, novels,
1: like. right. Thou shalt always be content. Yeah. Um, Genesis taught me a a little mantra. Um, that what you need to do in order to achieve total contentness, three things. They're very hard to achieve, but you must have no expectations. No judgments and no attachments. Wow. And if you can achieve those three things, then you will always be content. No, you're, nothing's going to affect you. Mm. And it's hard. Yeah. Because we live in a society that is fueled by judgments, expectations, and attachments. Right?
0: Yeah, and every billboard and every sign, and every little everything. nuance, every menu, every banner ad, and everything is mm. playing on our human mm. weaknesses totally. that are programmed in and like yes. all these.
1: Oh. I know, it's very yeah. insidious Yeah, yeah that's s- why being yeah. a
0: magician is so important So you can have the power over those symbols and see them, recognize mm-hmm. them
1: And then use them for your advantage yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, take the, take the flow of energy and redirect it for, for your own purposes so Changing the world around you, indeed <laughs> What do you think is the most powerful ma- magical tool that we have as, as magicians?
0: powerful magical tool as magicians. Well, I mean if I'm like taking the definition of magical tool to like include things that aren't normally considered as magical tools. Sure,
1: totally. Yeah.
0: I mean the brain, obviously. The brain. Um the the the, the whole body. Um all of it. I mean the the body. The I body. Mean, including the, the mind, the brain, the eyes, all the senses, the um, I was talking to someone yesterday in the episode about... He was talking about chemical addiction. So I was talking about, like, reclaiming the body mm-hmm. and, like, having full control over it. And then, yeah, I mean, you don't... No tool... It doesn't matter how cool the tool is if you don't have control over your body that's wielding the tool, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, and that usually includes, like, if there's some pollution in the body, then there's some pollution in the mind that's yes. allowing for that pollution in the body. Like, some some mental... Inten- you know, intentional error in calculation that, you know, 1 plus 1 equals 3, therefore I should keep smoking cigarettes. You know, right, it's like something It's right. right yes. you know, like there's a real reason there and it's addiction. And, yeah.
1: You know,
0: there's like a, a, some kind of comfort or some, something that getting from it or not getting from it or getting off on not getting it or whatever it is, you know.
1: Right it's true our, our bodies are a total reflection of the mind
0: so I was going to say memory I was going to say because uh, they talk about will but you don't have will without memory you, you know I mean and on the tree of life if you think of the sun being related to memory and then at least the lower will I mean usually Hawkeye is the higher will right. like Jibura being the lower will like in order to conceive of a future and have a plan and have a goal. You have to, like, conceive of a past and see, sure. like, I've been doing nothing for ten years and this is where it's gotten me. Uh-oh, you know, yeah. like, I better do something. Yes. And that's where will comes from. Yes. So, so I guess memory is an important one. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. How about you? What do you think?
1: Um, I would say... Okay, so the act of creation and part power of the orgasm mm. are very... They're wonderful, magical tools. Yeah. Yes, as far as knowing the self and manifestation, this creation and orgasm.
0: Yeah. But it's a powerful moment to rewrite and rewrite meta-program. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, and if you're able
1: to harness it, um, yeah, you can. You can definitely reprogram yourself. Yeah. If you, if you, you know, like sigil magic, you make a sigil and then look at it while you're at that heightened moment it definitely like sends it like an inbox into your subconscious and then it unfolds yeah in, in, in the flesh world very interesting yes that's something that i learned through genesis um, in topi every month on the on the 23rd at 11:11. they do a free liquid sigil So basically, they make a piece of art, or anything that um, is as a artistic representation of something that they want to have happen or want to have manifest, Mm -hmm. and then. You put your spit on it, you put your blood on it, and then you masturbate. And at the point of orgasm, you, you look at the sigil, and then you put your uh, sexual fluids onto the sigil. And typically, you give then give the, the sigil to Genesis. So people were sending her, you know, back in the day when Topi was, like, at the height of its activity, uh, sending her, like, monthly. you just get buckets of, like, these different things, that, you know, these different... Sigils covered in people's fluids with all their <laughs> deepest desires and dreams, and, very interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's it, it's really effective, and doing it on a monthly basis is really smart because you have, you start to notice what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong, and how like it's really important to be specific with your intents. Um, for example, like, say you made a sigil and your intent was to have, like, $200,000. Like, maybe you'll get that $200,000, but perhaps your mom will have to die, and then you'll get her inheritance, you know? Like, you have, to be, you have to be careful and specific about, like, what you put out there, and so doing it monthly, you have enough time to see how things unfold, but it's also, like, it's often enough that you can kind of, like, refine your technique and, like, fully, cause I mean, like, it's, this is weird shit, you know, like, and there's no, like, manual about, you know, there's no, like, sex magic manual of, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all, um, it's all very experimental and a bit, you know, a bit crazy yeah. at times, yeah. but, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead Beats and say Netflix. It. <laughs> totally. I'd rather make sigils and chill than Netflix and chill, right? It's truly, yeah. yeah. And that's 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 another thing. Like, as humans, as as a society, we really need to get away from this constant consuming of other people's creations and start making our own. Yeah, you know, like movies are great, you know, and. It, the entertainment business, whatever like there there are there are things of value that are created things but snuck
0: in every now and, yeah, and then. Yeah. But
1: just like constantly consuming just like crap on screens. Yeah. It's it's killing the mind. It's killing the creative it's killing the imagination. Yeah. You know, I think people need to start writing their own stories. Writing their own stories that is their life. Like right. like taking control of their narrative taking control
0: of just walking old scripts yes yes
1: and just constantly consuming other people's things it just like muddies the mind and you lose yourself in it you know when you start identifying yourself with your favorite TV shows instead of your uh, or which character in your favorite TV show right instead of your own accomplishments or like your own being yeah what is the point yeah what is the point of existence If you're just going to follow this path and do exactly as society tells you to do, which is to consume, 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 Um, it's just such an empty existence. And our culture, (laughs) it's built on that. You know, we have to free ourselves because no one's going to do it for us. We must. So, create your way forward always. Write your own
0: story. So, Terrence McKenna was talking about how art is the solution.
1: Art there. is the solution, yeah. absolutely. That's a smart man. Yeah. <laughs> Very smart man, Terrence McKenna. He's he's seen some he's done some drugs, he's done he's seen Yuck. some things. <laughs> Yes.
0: What was it? He, he visited all the religions of the world, and then, but none of them, none of them weighed up to. I forget his exact measurement. there, the exact quote, but there's the still the psilocybin in a dark room. It's like beat out all the, the religious experiences. He Amazing! Had the world.
1: Wow! Psilocybin in a dark room. Yeah. Yes. Psychedelics like are best in the dark. It's true. Um, I think. I think the most intense drug experience I had was not ayahuasca. Mm. It was actually uh, liquid ketamine. Oh. I was doing that almost every day for two months. That could be
0: lethal, right? No. No? Oh, okay. No. I'm thinking of something else. K2 or something? Yeah,
1: ketamine is a horse tranquilizer. Oh. And, um... In, in the it's completely different, so liquid ketamine, you uh, inject it intermuscularly, mm-hmm. um, so most, like when, when I say ketamine, most people think of the powder form, and that's a completely different substance, like once you heat it up and turn it into powder, it changes the chemical properties of it, so it's a different drug, but a liquid ketamine, it's complete ego loss, like you leave your body, you're not even aware of like... It's like, I'm no longer Hannah Haddix. I'm just, like, this sentient thing flying through through the cosmos. Yeah. Visiting these different realms. You know, just, like, all, like you in, inject this stuff into your muscles, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I am in the temples of the gods, and there's relics of every god or goddess that's ever been worshipped on Earth for all time, going forward and back in time for all affinity, and here I am just, like, in this dark, damp, Placed with all of these like golden statues, marble statues, stone, like m- metals that I've never even seen jewels that are colors beyond like beyond the, the, the visible spectrum and, and then or and then you take ketamine and then you are being crushed by a demon the, the name King with these stilettos and he's breaking every bone in your body right <laughs> and then you come out of it and you're just like, like touching your body, like I can't believe I have a body, oh my god, I'm alive. I thought for sure I was like died in this different dimension. It's really it's really um, wild.
0: I had this great dream the other day that I'm sure is related to what I'm going to do in my life where I was on the freeway and I was going really fast and then there was a U-Haul in front of me and I was gonna crash into it, so I slowed down and I was trying really hard not to crash into the U-Haul, you know. And then the road just like dropped and I kept going forward and I was like flying, and at that point I started to suspect maybe this was a dream. (laughs) And I was like hitting signs and stuff and looking down at the Uh U-Haul down below. And I (laughs) I woke up and I was like, that's a good dream.
1: Yeah, (laughs) interesting.
0: There is going to be a U-Haul in my near
2: future. Right, right
1: yeah, you're moving. Big things on the horizon. Dreams are great. I I do a lot of dream work. Um, My favorite way to become lucid in a dream is actually... um, so you know, a lot of it's it's, it's a common thing. People are like, uh, to be lucid in a dream, you like flick a light switch and see if the lights come on, or something with light. Uh, the way I the way I frequently find myself lucid is if I get a. a like a cell phone or a laptop, any electronics, if I get them wet and they still work. Oh,
2: I'm like, this has to be a dream.
1: I just drop the cell phone (laughs) in the ocean and it's still functional. And then you you wake up and you get to do all the fun stuff.
0: When I was a kid, I I, um, set my alarm on my watch to go off every like 15 minutes. And uh, then when it would go off, I'd turn it off and I'd look at the time, look away, and then look back again to make sure it still said the same thing. And so what would happen when I was dreaming was one thing, I couldn't turn it off. (laughs) And the other thing is I'd look at the time, look away, and look back. It'd be completely different.
1: Interesting. so
0: then I knew I was dreaming.
1: That's awesome. That's a good technique.
0: Yeah. Signs usually change. And there was one dream that it was freaky because the signs weren't changing. And I was like, and not only that, but because the place was supposedly, like I'm in a lucid dream, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like... The signs aren't changing. That's odd for a Lucid Dream, and someone's like, "Oh, that's because this place is being um, created by the the collective visualization of the Sea Org." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, that makes sense." Could I talk to whoever's in charge? And they're like, "Sure, come with me." You know, and it was like really <laughs> freaky. And they were like, "What are you doing here? How did you get here? You're not supposed to be here." You know, Whoa. and then like to leave, they were like, "We need to send you home." So like they drove me to a Delta flyer from like. Star Trek: The Next Generation, you know, and then it took me up to the Enterprise that was floating up in orbit, and then as soon as we docked onto the Enterprise, I woke yeah. up in bed.
1: Amazing. It's really weird. That is a weird one. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think about dreams? Like, what do you think? What do you think that is? I think that
0: there's like, I'm I'm skeptical about the way that, I mean, the the way that I was kind of like brought up or I guess a, a lot of people assume that there's like astral projection on one hand and then dreams on the other mm-hmm. where I don't think that the line is so clear between
1: the yeah. two sure.
0: and I think, that, um, I think that I think that there's a subtle connection between our brains like collectively that, mm-hmm. get, that gets transmitted through eye contact and through everything else and vocal into you know just like we don't have like a physical connection between neuron and neuron, but there might as well be because we both know what we're both talking about. We're both having a conversation; like there is an exchange of thoughts happening. Yeah, and so in the same, in a similar way, I don't think that like when people say, "Is this real or is it in my head?" I don't think there's necessarily a line there either. Sure. Like so. So what's going on in my head, and as a magician, you start off with what's going on in your head and then it manifests outside like because you made it clear and you made it fixed and you made it work and you did it at the right time or whatever, you know. So, so with dreams, I think sometimes it's we're trying to tell ourselves something, you know, we're, we're processing through something. And quite often when that, when that is the case There's usually other people involved too So like someone else might have the same dream Or that kind of thing And then the more open You are to, to those To the awareness of those Synchronicities Then the more you start to see them And then the more kind of Skeptical you are about them The more they start to get away you know? But that's all the power of the brain One yes. way or the other yes. To create or uncreate so yes
1: we- dreams yeah um, it's our subconscious minds playing out all the things that we aren't that we're not allowing ourselves to experience and think um, yeah. it's like it's like therapy in a way um, it's a reflection of what's going on inside and outside um, I think our dreams if we I think um, it's It's really powerful, the symbols and the things that we have and how, you know, there are all these books about dream interpretation where people say like, oh, if you dream about a body of water, that means you're going through an emotionally tumultuous time. And it's like, yeah, but maybe for you, that was your connotation. But I think dream interpretation is all very personal because we all have these different connotations to these different... Uh, Archetypes, or I might have
0: had a pet snake, and snakes might
1: scare the hell out of someone else. Exactly, exactly, and you know, snakes could be like a kundalini or like a powerful force, be sexual, or to another person could Uh, be like Satan himself. You know, yeah. So it's very, it's a very personal thing, and I think it's really fascinating to pay attention to dreams and document them, and just the reoccurring places and themes and symbols, and then realizing what it truly means to you, how your subconscious speaks to you, and then I really love incorporating dreams into waking life. For example, uh, often if I dream about wearing a particular pair of clothes or, you know, like a shirt, I'll, like, wake up and put that shirt on early like, um, if I have a certain meal or just like anything anything that I can do to tie the waking life and the dreaming life more yeah. intimately because I feel like if we integrate things from our dreams into waking life and vice versa we can mel- we can merge the two worlds together um, I have suffered I say with butts, um from sleep paralysis um, for the majority of my life and I um, there, it's really fascinating that that time when you're in sleep paralysis where you are eyes open fully aware of your surroundings except for there's just like a couple things off and then there's usually like a terrifying deity or entity um, entity rather not deity um, looming over or like <laughs> strangling you or molesting you or all the things that they do and it's just really it's really interesting that you can be totally awake, totally aware, totally cognizant of your surroundings and then to physically go through these things and see these other realms and it's like it's like a, it's like the veil has fallen for that that short moment that may seem like feel like forever and then it's usually really terrifying and you shake yourself awake awake but it's it's like it's it's like finally you're able to move your body and the room is as it was, except for the few things that were off are no longer there, you know, there's no, there's no longer an undulating orb of blood, you know, looming over your, your bed, right. um, and just, it's, so, I don't know, it's like, I've always been searching and wondering, is is that experience of sleep paralysis, and, and seeing those entities, and experiencing those things during, like, a waking reality, is that... Are those actually entities that... Or is it all in the brain? Is it something, is it something that we create? And I, I don't know. Yeah. I still haven't found the answer. And I still don't... Like, sometimes I think it's just, um, you know, chemicals and uh, a dream experience. But then other times it's like, no, that was real. Like, yeah. what is reality? Is yeah. it like, are those things... I, I'm perceiving that entity... I'm, I'm experiencing it through my senses. I can feel it, I can smell it, I can taste it, I can touch it, I can hear it, you know? All the things. So, is it, a, is it a trick of the mind? Is it an entity? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's you know, perception. Even like if you take an ass, like acid trip or mushrooms or any sort of psychedelic and you see those things, it's like, are we just seeing what's really there and we're not able to see otherwise? Right. Or is, is there our crazy beautiful brains like creating all of this for Or it? maybe
0: is it like radio frequencies? So like two people could both take acid and one person sees angels and another person sees demons, but they're both right. Mm-hmm. They're just looking at different levels. Yeah, different levels. And then lenses. the third person who sees nothing is also right. Because yeah. they're seeing just through the eyes.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. It is interesting. But, it, it, you know, we all create our own reality tunnels. We all have our own reality tunnels. Right. Even while we're
0: awake. Like, what oh, I think of you, what I think of... you know. Absolutely.
1: So yeah. here you are experiencing all this, and I'm here, and I can agree that we're in a coffee shop in Beverly Hills. Right. But, I mean, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, has coffee been invented yet? Like, I don't know. It's, and especially after realizing that time is not linear and that everything that ever has and ever will happen is happening in the now. Mm. And that's really hard to wrap our time-conditioned, right? <laughs> it's really hard to wrap our time-conditioned minds around that, but it's like, it's all, it's all simultaneous, it's all now. Yeah. All the karma is perfect, it's all, being pl- it's all played out already. because yeah,
0: the big bang explosion is the momentum that, among other things, is dancing into existence our cells in our brain and the atoms that make them up. Yeah. So, to think outside of of the timeline it's to think outside of what we are. Mm-hmm. But to think that there is nothing outside of what we are is arrogance. I mean. Absolutely. Uh,
1: arrogance and just ignorance. Yeah. I mean, I believe... It's
0: cave parable all of all yeah, you know, yeah. the cats hiding. You can't see me because I can't see you. Totally.
1: <laughs> I think that anything that we can fathom is you know if we're capable of of dreaming it of imagining it of coming up with it then somewhere there is the, it exists because we have created like it's there yeah that's why being a creator and being actively creative is so important we are the gods we have that energy within us we like this is planet earth is heaven and hell all in one like there, like this is it and here we are, and we have the power of creation, we have the power of changing the way we perceive, we have the power of rewriting our memories, we have the power of changing the, the world and the experiences of other peoples. And how exciting.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Yeah. And there are so many, so many tools and so many portals to deeper understanding and effective ways to live and to be and to create. I think that if everybody was more honest with themselves and, cr- and could shamelessly express themselves, it would get rid of a lot of pain and misery. A lot of, I think self-denial and shame is so toxic. And I just wish people would be more open about the less glamorous things in life, you know? Not try to, like, Ch- like change, you know the whole culture of like the Photoshop and, and making everything look a certain way, getting rid of the flaws, getting rid of the, you know, like flaws. Like, why is it a flaw? Like, right? A flaw? Who like, decided that's decided, a flaw? Yeah. yeah. Who decided that that's a bad thing? Like, why? Like, why is it so taboo about like aging, getting older? You know, right. the way that we treat our elderly and our sick and our dying in this culture is, is horrific. You know, yeah, we just like yeah. sweep them under the rug, hide them in these uh, nursing homes, and like, why don't we need to embrace this? This is the human experience, you know. Like, we're not all twenty-three right. for our whole lives, yeah. you know. Right. It's like we need to embrace the changes and the different conditions that is being human. Um, yeah, there's just so much. There's so much shame, and I think I think that is a shame. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. So, I think by shamelessly expressing myself and putting all all the things that I do on the internet that you, you, most people wouldn't talk about, um, I have a lot of people tell me that that's very inspiring for them, and it helps them embrace their less glamorous things about them. Um, and that's always it's always really good to hear, you know, because it I think it matters, and it, it needs we need to be. We need to be more honest with ourselves, and the humans around us, about the nature of our realities. And stop hiding from ourselves, and stop... ...expecting other people's lives to be a reflection of ours, you know? Yeah. It's like, we all have our different... we're all writing our own stories. Why would you want to write? Why would you want to have the same story as someone else? Right. You know, or a
0: story you don't want.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. People create these miserable narratives for themselves, and yeah, they just live because it. Because
0: They think they, they deserve it. Yeah. Or, yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm.
1: But no.
0: I think that uh, non non judgment is a good step toward non shame. Because yeah. uh-huh. for me, like uh, the worst, um, you know, things that I. Like, I don't want to embody this because my younger self would have judged me, you know Mm. what I mean? Like, when when I was 14, I would have said this and that about the things I'm doing now, you know? And it's like, okay, eventually you have to get over being judged by your younger self, (laughs) you know? And then you can start to, like, let go of shame and stuff. But if you're, if someone, you know, not you, but if a a person is in the state of judgment, and it's hard to get to a state of non-shame when you're judging others, you know, because then you're holding yourself to some standard.
2: Definitely. And you wake up in
0: the morning and you look in the mirror. Am I am I holding up to the standard? And it's like, no, dude, just chill, you know, like.
1: Yeah, it's so true. It, it's funny. That kind of reminds me of um, <coughs> this evening. I <laughs> I was bas- I basically Irish goodbye which is like I was, I was drunk I was like at a party drinking with some friends and I just like I got the, to that point where I just left without saying goodbye to anybody it was, it was like at four in the morning in Seattle a rainy night I was walking home alone and um, I was crossing in front of this car and he stopped at a, or a stoplight and he honked his horn at me and it scared me and like in that moment I, it's like something took, took <laughs> something came over me and I threw this guy's door open, the passenger door, and I hopped in his car and I was like, excuse me, like, why are you honking at me? And now you're going to give me a ride home because it's raining and, and that's not okay. And he was like, oh my god, oh my god, please don't hurt me. And I'm like, excuse me, I'm in a belly shirt right now. And he like, like you're, you're like 200 pounds bigger than me. Like, there's no way I'm going to hurt you. And so basically I like invited this middle-aged man um, back to my rooftop who I just completely terrified. By in his and by the end of the evening, um, he we hung out for a couple hours, and like he saw my like my altars, and you know I was talking to him about the power of creation and all these things, and at by the end he was reduced to tears. He was like crying in my arms, basically being like. I can never be like you because I'm so worried about what my grown children and ex-wife would think of me and I want to do this and that, but I can't. And he was just like so, It was like such like, he was so stuck. And the reason he was driving around at 4 a.m. is because he couldn't sleep because he was so unhappy with his life and his being. And, um, you know, I I gave him the the no attachments, no judgments, no expectations thing. Um, And he later emailed me a couple weeks later saying like, that it really helped him, and you know he was like trying to like work more about taking his own life into his hands. And it's just like I feel like that's not an uncommon thing for people to just be you know wandering around unable to sleep because they're so miserable with their lives because they're they're worried about what their boss would think, what their ex wife thinks, like what you know all all these people that influence them. But they're just like building their own prisons by allowing that to to affect them you know, being free, and this is truly free, and truly comfortable with who you are and what you're doing, is so extremely rare. Which is so strange that, you know, here we are in this Western civilization, which is basically, you know, at least as a facade, is built on the individual being able to achieve what they want. You know, the American dream is like, you can be anything in America. You can, you know, you, you can... Dream big and live the dreams, and it's like that's not what's happening. Yeah, that's not what's happening at all. Um, and I don't know what it's gonna take to get people to wake up. <laughs> and I know that maybe that sounds maybe a bit arrogant. That that maybe, that uh, just as far as feeling like I understand things better, because maybe I don't. Maybe maybe I. Maybe the guy who's uh, working at, as a CEO for Nestle like, who thinks that the range should be privatized has it figured out more than I do, but... <laughs> I don't know. Um, it just... I, I look around and I see a lot of... a lot of misery and a lot of self-made prisons. <laughs> because we all... we build our own prisons, you know? We all do. Even those who are in those physical prisons, you know... They they chose that. There are consequences, you know, societal consequences for actions, and we choose we choose all the things. We choose all the things that happen to us, even the accidents, even the. It's like energetically, karmically, we're always working out our karma. We're always working out past lives, future lives. It's, like it's all happening here and now, right? But it's. Everything that happens to us is a blessing and a curse And it's all by our design Even if it's not a conscious thing That's why it's so important to become conscious of it So you can start to direct your life the way that you want Something that you think is fun Like going to Nepal Yeah (laughs) Going to Nepal and (laughs) a podcast Yeah, being a yogi on a rock Sitting in (laughs) a lotus position You know, like if that's what you want to do, if that's what feels For a while, yeah, until
0: I figure out what I want to do. You know. But it you're always like, figuring you out. It's, yeah, yeah. That's true. yeah.
1: How boring would it be to have everything figured out, right? right?
0: Ever after? <laughs>
1: that doesn't exist. <mean laughs> and I'm so glad it doesn't because yeah. that would Maybe get really land, boring. Yeah. That would be so boring.
0: If that was the goal to get the prince to marry you.
2: Oh gosh.
0: <laughs> Seriously, the Prince. Does the shoe fit? Is that right? <laughs> Lucky you! Congratulations. Happily ever after.
1: That's some silly, wacky shit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Even Disney admits it now. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, Disney.
0: Well, thank you for everyone for pointing uh, for putting up with all of this noise, with the, the noise of the coffee beans. Yes. Uh, I hope it wasn't too awful. Um, do you sorry. have any thoughts before we? wrap up here? Um,
1: well, I guess my final message, which I think I've talked about, is just, like, please, please create, and please be shameless, and know that you are a perfect, beautiful being, and you can do all the things of your deepest dreams and desires.
0: Push those boundaries. Yes.
1: Break the taboos. Push the boundaries. Experience life. It tastes great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the Esoterra Nerd Podcast. Thank you
1: for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Hannah, for being our guest on the Esoterra Nerd Podcast tonight. Special thanks to Susumu Ueda and his father and the other monks at Jofukuin Temple on Mount Koyasan for the music you're hearing right now. Thank you to Tangerine Dream for the album Ricochet, which played in the background during the Transformations and Footnotes segment. Special thanks to Camille and Kennerly for the harp intro and outro to the interview itself. And special thanks to you, the Esoterra Nerd, listening to this podcast. Until next time. Good night.